So I'm so excited today. I went and saw the movie First Man uh, last week, I guess, and uh, it was a very ambitious film. Uh, I, I, I'll share with you some of my thoughts, but I really wanted to talk to somebody uh, that knows something about all of this, <laughs> the space travel stuff. So I thought it'd be fun to have my friend Richard uh, on the podcast, uh, who is very informed uh, on this. And we actually previously talked about Apollo 13, October Sky, and the right stuff. So uh, we're <laughs> I didn't realize that we'd done so many space movies. But, uh, but Richard, thanks for coming on the podcast and talking about First Man. Hey, that's all right. Yeah. yeah, thanks. So, uh, yeah, so this is our uh, Damien Chazelle biopic about Neil Armstrong. So this, uh, you know, certainly had a lot of hype around it, some controversy that we'll talk about. Mm -hmm. And uh, But overall, what was your sort of response to this film? Well, it certainly wasn't what I was expecting. I mean, I was expecting just quite a basic... A retelling of the story and instead instead uh, Amin Chazelle had this quite particular style they brought to it to make it all about Neil and some of the particular themes in his journey I think most notably death mm -hmm. uh, and uh, and, uh, and they're making sure to cover the most important bits in his spaceflight career yeah, yeah. And, and, so, and you have read the book that this is based on correct yeah. yes that's right and what do you think of the book I do like the book. It's uh, it's very detailed. It's a uh, it's a biography, so it's not written by Armstrong himself, but he was interviewed, as well as a lot of other people for. Hey, for it, and so, hey, and so there's a, there's a lot of technical detail in there. But even like with the um, with all the interviewing, it's uh, it's kind it's kind of hard to get into, get into Armstrong's mind sometimes. He the author kind of comments on that. He was mm. he was a very reserved person who didn't give much away. I read, I read a little book that said he liked to talk about ideas more than he liked to talk about people. Well, that's interesting. Because that was one of the things that most surprised me, I guess, about the movie, is that uh, is I was expecting him to have more charisma, um, be more... Uh, not that... I, I don't know. I I was just surprised because I don't know if I had seen interviews, if I was just getting him in other people like John Glenn and Buzz Aldrin getting them confused with him uh, that I don't know I thought that he was more charismatic uh, than they portrayed in the movie he, 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 he did have some moments of charisma he, could, he did have he did have something of a sense of humor which didn't quite come across sometimes in the film like in the like after he landed on the moon he and and uh, Buzz Aldrin was getting out of the lunar module. He, they had a little joke about Aldrin making sure he didn't shut the hatch on his way out to lock them out. Oh, right. Yeah. And I think he made a joke once he didn't, uh, he didn't exercise very much because, they, because you only get a finite number of heartbeats and he wasn't going to waste on one exercise. Right. <laughs> so, he, so basically, he, people that say in the book, I've been rereading the book before we have this video, and he basically said that um, once you got to know him, he did. He, he was a good friend and he... He was, he was quite nice to talk to, but he, he didn't be, he didn't make that much casual conversation and he was generally quite quiet and, and most of that talk about technical things. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't a, I wasn't a big fan of the movie. I felt like you didn't, it's not just that he was reserved 
which was surprising, but I could have been fine with. But I felt like you didn't really see a whole lot of growth in his character. You didn't see a whole lot of uh, emotional sort of change and journey from his character. He's saying, in my opinion, he stayed fairly flat the entire film. Uh, and there, there was a, a little bit of emotion with the, the death of his daughter, but even with those, I don't know. I just, I didn't get enough sort of expression enough, uh, enough emotion that I felt like I was connected to his character. Hey, like I see what you mean about it. It being kind of hard to see how he, how he grows throughout the film. I suppose the, Obviously, we're okay talking about spoilers in this video, but I suppose yeah. the the, Betty, the main bit of growth he has is at is at the end where he where he takes his daughter's bracelet to the moon and leaves it there, which I guess kind of symbolizes him managing to to let go of of a death that's been weighing on him. Uh huh. I suppose you kind of see you know, impacting him throughout the film, and and then as the as he starts experiencing more death among his co-workers, but that he, but I guess his personality remains the same, and I think. I mean, that's probably how it, how it was in real life as well. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, I was wondering, I felt like there were times when the movie was trying to show that he was on the spectrum a little mm-hmm. bit in his social skills and, and some of, even some like tics that he had and different things. And, uh, and I kind of, I was curious, uh, one of my friends said on Twitter that he was, that his son had said that he did have Asperger's. Have you heard anything like that? I did actually have a look at it after I'd seen your, seen your comments on Twitter and your review. It didn't look like anybody really seriously investigated it. I couldn't find any, any actual quotes from his from either of his sons okay. about whether he was. But he certainly seemed to have traits along those lines. Yeah. So it is possible. Mm-hmm. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, it starts out with him in 1961 uh, flying the X-15 rocket yeah. plane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a yeah, and, and basically what happens in that situation like it it, it bounced off the atmosphere which caused yeah. it to well, he, problem. basically it, um, he, what had happened while well, Ozzy was he, well, so he got up to he, I can't remember the exact altitude but he, when he was coming back there out towards 140,000 feet and in the book he mentions he had, um, he had tried pulling the nose up a little bit to kind of investigate the force of gravity at that height and that was what caused him to start going up when he should have been kind of continuing to go down. And so he had to struggle to control and ended up landing off target. Okay. Did yeah. he work with the people from the right stuff? I can't remember. He would have, yeah. He, was, he, worked, he worked at the same place, Edwards Air Force Base in California, but there was a nice big desert and salt lake for them to land their planes on. Right. Yeah, he was, he was working on there at the, at the time he became an astronaut. Do you know what... Uh, is it say in the book kind of what inspired him to get into the whole space program? Basically, it was a it was a career step for him. He uh, he basically the uh, the opportunity had come up, and uh, he 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 was first and foremost a test pilot and engineer. All the all the astronauts were test pilots at that point, and so he just he was just kind of weighing up his options about where he wanted to go, where he wanted to continue flying the X fifteen or try this other program that ultimately didn't go ahead or go into the space program. And he decided the space program seemed the most interesting and the most exciting. So he went for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I wish there had been a little bit more, 
I don't know. Like I love the moment in Apollo 13 where, where uh, um, Tom Hanks' character, Jim, Jim Lovell, right? Yeah, Jim Lovell. Yeah, Jim Lovell. He puts his uh, thumb over the moon and he talks about his uh his dream you know dream of going to the moon and uh and then of course then you get the great callback later on when he puts his thumb over the earth and i i wish there had been more moments like that to get like a sense of sort of his personality as a or to get a sense of his dreams and what he like the awe and i don't know just more of that if that makes sense yeah i can understand that his main passion was for for engineering and flying, basically. So it would, would be nice to make that a bit, a bit clearer in the fit. I and mean, we do see him like talking about uh, uh, the details of like space rendezvous. And you see the main reason times when he looks quite happy in the film is after he's pulled pulled something off in his flights when, like when he manages to dock on Gemini 8 and after he manages the landing on Apollo 11. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's when he enjoyed the, the challenge of that. Yeah. yeah so, I, so I can understand what you mean. It would have been nice to make that a bit bit clearer but I, I still like the overall performance by Ryan Gosling it, were, it, it was really quite a quite a subtle performance yeah he had to like he had to like kind of be be true to what Armstrong's personality was like and that meant being quite quite stoic a lot of the time except for these he, these moments of emotion that that, kind of, that are quite a they're, they're quite a leave quite an impression when they when they actually do come yeah yeah i mean i think he did a good i think he did a good job with what was asked of him mm-hmm. and maybe i don't know it's a it's a tough thing because you ride that line between uh between making an entertaining movie versus telling the truth you know that that's yeah. a hard question to answer um but i don't know i guess i prefer my biopics to be a little more like and some people might think a movie like hidden figures is is sort of bland uh because uh, or more pedestrian doesn't take like the artistic risks that this film takes but i just felt so much more inspired and so much more excited and after seeing hidden figures than this uh and i don't know i guess i i like in my biopics to be uh for them to be a little cheesy a little bit inspirational a little bit i don't know if that makes sense yeah i can understand that i get i guess that that maybe Daniel Chazelle thought that it already been done with things like Apollo 13 and yeah. there was also this uh, there was this mini series in 1998 called From the Earth to the Moon which covered the entire Apollo program including Apollo 11 mm. and uh, they, and that kind of went for the whole inspirational tone as well yeah and in, uh, in that film Armstrong was actually played by a actor called Tony Goldwyn who was I think did the voice for Tarzan in the Disney film oh okay yeah. and it was a similar type of portrayal or more of the I think, different I think maybe there was a little more there was a little more charisma to him there, but he was he was generally the same kind of character. Mm, like true. in the um, hey, like in that in that miniseries, there's a scene like you know in the oh in this one with the scene where he's flying this uh, lunar landing training vehicle, and he, he and he ends up crashing and has to eject. Mm. Like in the in the miniseries, they show that and everyone's running up to it and you know, like seeing if he's okay, and he just kind of walks away without saying a word, just like showing a bit of discomfort here because he bit his tongue. Oh yeah, and that was you, that was his only injury from that ejection that he bit in his tongue. Okay. Do you remember? Is Neil Armstrong? Is he in the right stuff? He's not. No. Betrayed. Okay. No. no. Okay. Because he was in the because that the right stuff is all about the Mercury Seven, the first group of astronauts. Okay. And he was in a he was actually in the second group called the New Nine, 
and Jim Lovell was actually chosen in that group as well. Mm. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. Uh, so it, from what I've read, it was, the movie is pretty accurate as far as the timeline of yeah. things, uh, from what I read that he did have a two-year-old daughter who passed away. Yeah. And of, of a brain tumor. That's right. That was in, uh, that was in January, 1962, which was actually his, uh, his and Janet's wedding anniversary. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. And this was his first wife, correct, Janet? That's right, yeah. Yeah, so they ended up uh, divorcing in 1994, and then he got remarried. Okay. Uh, and do you, what did you think of Claire Foy in the role of Janet? I really, I really liked her as well. She, she kind of got all the, like you say, she did everything she was asked to do. Yeah. You know, kind of get the impression of uh, kind of struggles of being being married to this guy who, who has this very risky job and, and, and also doesn't really open up very much. Yeah. And you can see this, like all the struggles that, that Marilyn Lovell has to go through in Apollo 13. At least she has a, a more open relationship with her husband. Yeah. I mean, I think that the women in the right stuff were better. And I think that, uh, that I like the performance in, uh, in Apollo 13 better. Um, but she did everything that she was asked to do. I didn't think that her and Ryan Gosling had very good chemistry. Yeah. And I guess well, there's supposed to be some, some tension there, but I don't know, yeah. even with tension, I feel like you can have chemistry uh, more than, more than they did. But I think that it was very powerful. The scene where she, you know, forces him to talk to the kids. I like, yeah, that, that was, really that was a good scene that. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's obviously devastating to lose a child and oh, yeah. you can definitely feel, I think that is the one part that felt emotionally true to me. Uh, mm. Whereas a lot of the other stuff just kind of lay flat for me, yeah. but the things involving the daughter definitely rang true. Yeah. It's just like, it's like when he's, when he's crying afterwards and then when he, he has these like visions of her through the film, doesn't he? Yeah. 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 Um, one thing I wondered, and maybe this is a stupid question, but uh, wouldn't the bracelet have floated from zero gravity? Hey, it's not, it's not zero gravity on the moon. It's one sixth of Earth's gravity. Oh, okay. So, so like you can jump quite much higher than you would on Earth. But, uh, if it, but I think a very light object like that, it would just come to rest. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I, that's why I was wondering because you know it's like the flag has to be like obviously a flag is going to be implanted, but like yeah. I just didn't know if I if it would yeah. float uh, if it would float. Yeah. That's interesting. Lot, yeah, a lot of people who say that they um say say that they think the moon landings were fake will say that they they can see the flag waving in the videos, but really it's just it's being held up by a pole and it only moves when the astronauts are touching it. Uh huh. So yeah, that. Okay. Yeah, so that's why it stands up. Yeah interesting <laughs> yeah the the uh, conspiracy theorists uh that uh they they claim that uh stanley kubrick directed it which is, that's right yeah 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 you ever seen the film capricorn one uh-uh yeah it's about this uh this moon landing to mars that gets faked and they kind of they think it was like along those lines oh interesting yeah yeah, yeah. uh so so you liked how they portrayed the initial X-15 rocket plane? Thing? I did, yeah. It was, it was quite yeah. overwhelming to, just to begin the film with that when there's so much noise coming at you. 
yeah. I felt really kind of overwhelmed by the noise. Yeah. And, yeah. and the it, amount of shaking as well. Yeah, it made me, it definitely made me nauseous, this movie, yeah. but I'm very, you know, more sensitive than most, but it was pretty, pretty shaky. Yeah. Did gravity have that effect on you? What's that? Did the film Gravity have that effect on you? Because I know a lot of people felt motion sick from that. Yeah, but Gravity, the thing that they did that was so smart is that it's pretty short. Uh, I forget how, uh, so it wasn't quite as... Yeah. I think it's supposed to be uh, the spinning at the beginning when the when the debris first hits the shuttle, isn't it? And uh, and Sandra Bullock goes flying off into space and she's spinning then. Yeah, and yeah. gravity's only ninety one minutes, and so yeah, I yeah. think that helps it a lot as opposed to this one that is a uh, much longer, uh, one hundred forty one minutes. So, yeah. uh, but I was I I made it made it through. I just don't think it like thrills me maybe as much as others because I am having you know those things but uh but yeah gravity uh when she's just like floating and like some of those scenes were so real i was just like whoa i don't know it was incredible yeah and and i f- feel like some of those scenes you're out loud to sort of linger in it just a teeny bit more than some of these which were very fast and very intense which yeah. is appropriate because it's different things they're recreating more creating uh but um uh, but yeah, it definitely started off with a bang and any of the, I think the, um, the flight sequences of the various kinds were probably the best part, even though I got a little nauseous, they were probably the best part of the movie, I think. Yeah, I definitely love those because it really, it really put you there in a way that I don't think any other space film has. Yeah. Like seeing through Armstrong's eyes when, you, when he's walking up to his, his Gemini spacecraft and just... You just see it either kind of metal looking a bit corroded and just this little this little seat inside. Yeah. Uh, it just it just all looks quite crude and yeah. that, and then when he's and then there's just because when, the, when it actually takes off, there's no music, is there? There is in the Apollo eleven launch, but not on the Gemini launch. All, you, all you've got is just the sound of the the rocket taking off. Oh, yeah. It just, yeah. It was just really I just thought it was really great cinematography in this film. Yeah, oh, no doubt about it, for sure. They did a really, really, really good job uh, with that, and all the, all pretty much all the production design was was top notch. Oh yeah, it looked really authentic and real, and I don't know. Yeah, most of it was accurate. There were just like a few, a few very small inaccuracies here and there, like it, like when he's walking to the Gemini, you see the, uh, you know, the the Agena, the thing that they have to dock with in orbit. They, you see that taking off. As he's walking to the Gemini, he was actually already inside the spacecraft at that point. Oh, okay. Yeah, but that's just it's just little things like that. Yeah, yeah. So the um, so he applies for Project Gemini. Yeah. And uh, just he sees it as like the next step in his career. It's not like a yeah, yeah. big dream of his to go to space. No, I don't think it really was his. I don't think it really was his dream because he didn't. He, he didn't really think that. Uh, the space flight was going to become a thing in his lifetime at the time when he was like in his teens and his early twenties. Mm-hmm. And not like, not like Jim Lovell because Jim Lovell was, was very into rockets from an early age. And so he definitely really wanted to do something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he ended up becoming a pilot because he didn't really see much uh, job opportunities for a rocket scientist. Right. Right. Uh, so then he meet, he goes, they go to Houston and then they meet uh, Elliot C. Yeah. And Ed White. Yeah, that's right. That's who, 
two of the other astronauts in the new nine that joined along with him. Yeah, and so they became pretty close friends. Yeah, I remember and... the um, yeah, I was gonna say the scene where they're they're trying out the uh, the spinning simulator and the and everyone's been sick afterwards. That was one of the that was one of the times that people ever feared to were laughing because there's not that many funny moments in this film. Yeah. That was a scene that people thought was funny. Yeah, so this is uh, Jason Clark and Patrick Fugit. Mm-hmm. And uh, how do you how do you think uh, they how do you think they portrayed some of these other periphery characters, these side yeah. characters? I felt I felt that for the side characters suffered a little bit, but in expense of of Neil and Janet because there was so much focus on them. Uh-huh. Like Carl Chandler's character, Deke Slayton, mm-hmm. who was in charge of the astronaut office, he was, he, it kind of took me a while to really be quite sure who he was. Well, I, don't, I don't think they did a very good job with making it feel like a team thing. Like when, I don't know, like in Apollo 13, uh, you're just so like rooting for all of these, this whole team of NASA. And uh, you know, when they, when they, when they create that, that, uh, um, filter, whatever it is, like, that's such a like, yes, woohoo. And, uh, that's such an exciting moment. And this is like going to the moon. There had to be more of like a team. This wasn't just one person. Exactly. Yeah. The whole team. Like I wish they had done like a better job. And I mean, even in Apollo 13, I think, the journey of the Gary Sinise character uh, is is like more of an emotional arc, even though he's not in it all that much, than we get from any side character in this movie, for sure. Yeah, yeah it's just, it is just a decision to, to focus on Neil the way they do and his wife. And I get I would have liked it. I decided I could have a little bit more, a little more expansion in that way. Yeah, especially because they're the loss of the, uh, of, you know of of various people through the movie is so like impactful but because you don't really know them or it feels somewhat clinical as opposed to emotional to me but you do get to the you do get to the red white quite a bit well i think just if you get get quite a few scenes between him and neil i mean only at sea you don't really get to know very much Mm -hmm. what he does yeah there is actually a um don't remember the trailer but there was a scene of a uh a fire at a house you got cast and that's in the in the book where uh where the armstrongs had a house fire right and, uh, and ed white actually helped them there because he lived next door so uh cut from the film yeah so they didn't have a ton of buzz aldrin which is a shame because i love Corey stoll he's one of my favorite actors i yeah. i think he is so handsome <laughs> i really like him uh and i I wish they had had a few more because I felt like they were kind of trying to trying to portray him as a bit of a jerk. Yeah, they were a little bit. Yeah, I mean, if it, I think from what I've, what I've heard of Aldrin, he was quite a, he could quite be a quite outspoken and he wasn't the most popular astronaut. Uh-huh. In fact, when, when Armstrong was being given his crew for Apollo 11, he was told, you don't have to take buzz if you don't want to. Uh-huh. Armstrong, well, uh, no, it's okay, I'll be able to work with him. And, so he, and I would have, he, and I think they could have used them um, if they included a bit more things, and uh, they could have uh, used that as side of Aldrin's personality a bit better. Like there was a bit of an argument about whether he and or Neil was going to be first to get out of the lunar module and walk on the moon, and that could have uh, 
and what we see of him before then could have led up to that quite well. Yeah. Yeah. I would have loved to have seen more of that uh, because I don't know. I've always thought of Buzz Aldrin as this sweet, cute old man. So I would have liked to have, uh, <laughs> yeah. have kind of seen more about that side of his personality yeah. uh that i was unaware of because i'm yeah. not as well informed uh yeah. and I, did see, I saw him at a uh, book signing a couple of years ago oh yeah yeah he gave a lecture and he, he, t- he said he came across quite a nice old man there yeah right he, he, did, have, he did have some serious uh problems after apollo 11 he had uh, a bit of a drinking problem and depression oh. problems with his family so he had you know, quite a lot to work through and uh but he came out the other side uh-huh. yeah, fairly stable yeah interesting um and uh, they they don't you don't get to know the 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 third michael no michael collins yeah yeah third member of the crew at all no no, he's just he's he's barely even there he's just basically in the background isn't he and i would have loved to have known how he came up with the idea of one small step for man one giant leap for mankind we never found that out yeah he just kind of um apparently i think the most sources i've read said that he came up with it a bit while he was on the moon he's he hadn't really thought about it that much even though people were kind of pressuring him to think of something but i think his uh but i think neil's brother said that they've been playing risk one night before the before the launch and uh he'd uh-huh. and he'd said then he was going to do it i think he he just he just come up with this idea that it was a that he'd be taking a small step but it was going to be a significant one yeah i think something like that would have been nice just anything to kind of humanize him a little more. He just felt a little robotic to me. He wasn't like, I didn't feel that connection to him that I wanted. Uh, and I, I would have, like, even if you're not 100% real, because let's be honest, most of our lives are kind of boring. And so when you make a movie about our lives, and especially someone like Neil Armstrong, like, that's what movies need to do is they need to add a little bit of flower, a little bit of color, uh, you know, to uh, in order to make it an interesting movie. Yeah. At least that's what I think. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I can understand that. It's, I suppose it is quite difficult with the the kind of personality that he had. Uh, they just didn't, and they didn't yeah. give much away. I suppose they, I suppose our drive just comes from his relationship with his wife and the the actual things that he was doing, rather than really getting into his his psyche because it was quite hard to do that. And so they had to, some bits they had to speculate a bit. Yeah. So he was, uh, he was originally, he was planned to go on Gemini eight. Yeah, that's right. He was, he flew on Gemini eight. That was his first mission. And, and then that's when C and Charles Bassett are killed in T-38 crash. Yeah, that's right. Uh, They were going to fly on Gemini nine. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Gemini 9. Okay. Yeah. And then Gemini 8 is him and, uh, and, and Dave Scott. Yeah. Dave Scott. Uh, in uh, the uh, T3. Yeah, T3. Uh, oh, sorry. And they dock with the Agena target vehicle. What, yeah. what was that? What was it's that? Basically, it's basically a little, uh, a little rocket that um, they would just get sent into orbit with the express intention of being a docking target for the Gemini. So what happens in this scene? It was a little, a lot to take in. So they dark successfully and then it gets caught in some kind of tide pool, but in the space? Basically a, fr- a froster on a Gemini had gotten stuck on. And so it was pushing them constantly. 
And at first they thought the problem was with the Agena because the Agena had quite a lot of problems in the past. And so they, you see they undock there and then the rolling just gets faster and they realize the problem is with the Gemini. And so, he, and so eventually the roll got to more than one revolution per second, at which point their vision was becoming blurred uh, and they were close to blacking out. Uh-huh. And, then, and then Armstrong, the only thing Armstrong to do was to turn off the, the main thrusters and then activate these, these backup thrusters that were supposed to be used for re-entry. And once he did that, he was able to bring the spacecraft under control. But because he had activated those thrusters, mission rule said that they had to come back to Earth immediately. So the mission was over at that point. Okay. All right. I was a little confused about what was going on. I'm like, why are they spinning? Is it some kind of other thing? I don't know. I didn't didn't quite get it, but that's interesting. Uh, So uh, he's a, he, he is, uh, he's returns, he returns home after that. Uh, and people are pretty critical after that. Like there was yeah. a lot of protests and stuff. Like, what did you think of how that was portrayed? Hey, I thought that, I thought that was pretty accurate. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean the, the astronaut office was very competitive. And so people would be willing to point out if they thought somebody else had made a mistake, like in the right stuff. You remember how, um, how Gus Grissom's Mercury mission, he, the hatch comes off and he almost drowns and he says it just blew by itself. And people are a bit, unwilling to believe that uh-huh. it was kind of, it was sort of like that here except pe- most people thought that armstrong did everything he could if he he, he could potentially have um have taken another op- option to you to use the agena to bring the spacecraft under control but that wasn't how he'd been trained that wasn't how he'd been trained okay yeah. I, then- think, I think i think gene you know gene Kranz, the flight director for apollo 13 he said something like like the crew reacted as they were trained and they reacted wrong because they were trained wrong. Oh, okay. Interesting. So, uh, was there a lot of protests, uh, at the, at the time against the space program? I've never, I, I mean, I, you always, there's always protests, but I didn't realize it was like a big thing. Hey, I think, I think there were always some people who were opposed to spending so much money on the, on the space program, particularly after what we see of the, the Apollo one fire, uh-huh. there was people who were to, after three astronauts were killed, there was people who wanted to abandon the whole thing at that point. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. So that's what happens next is they're having a plugs out test. What's a plugs out test? That basically means the astronauts will get into the spacecraft. The hatch will be sealed. It will be pressurized as it would be before an actual launch. And the, the, and the plugs that were connecting the spacecraft to the ground will be removed. So it will be operating on its own power. Mm. Okay. And, and, uh, and, and, Armstrong is Neil is gone because he's at the White House. He is, yeah. Jim Lovell was actually there as well that night. I think I think the astronaut that uh, Neil is speaking to at that event. I think that was supposed to be Jim Lovell, but again, the film doesn't really make that clear. Mm. Okay, and uh, the uh, and so something happens with it's the um, the the paint or not paint, but the the covering of this. Um, of this uh, um, Gemini thing, the ship uh, that it catches fire. Yeah, right? there's a. Well, basically, there was a. The ship had been oh. kind of been, it had been kind of rushed into production, and and because there there was a big rush to get to, to meet Kennedy's deadline of putting a man on the moon before the end of the decade, and the astronauts weren't really happy with the with this Apollo spacecraft they've been given because there were quite a few defects with it, 
and the, the thing that caused the fire was basically a spark from some exposed wiring. And the problem was that the spacecraft had been pressurized with pure oxygen. And so that spark created a whole inferno. In just, in just 15 seconds after the astronauts first mentioned there was a fire, the, the fire had grown so intense that the, the hull of the spacecraft actually ruptured. Yeah. yeah. I, I think I, I mean, it, it's obviously a huge tragedy and was very sad, but I would have felt more if I knew the characters more. Like, I don't know. I just feel like these other movies, Hidden Figures, Paul 13, right, The Right Stuff, these other movies we've talked about all had me more connected to these side characters. And so it would have been way more devastating. Yeah. I think about seeing that he... I think the scene kind of probably worked best for me because I knew what was going to happen mm. when, when Ed White and the other two astronauts were inside the spacecraft. I was kind of waiting for, mm. for the fire to start. I was but it, was, and it, was, it, it was very well done, though. It yeah. looked so real. like It, it looked hot. You almost felt yeah. hot watching it. It was very... Yeah. yeah. I thought it was a bit weird that Judge just showed the, the hatch and the smoke coming from behind it because, like, we, because like what you couldn't see was like on the gantry there were quite a lot of crew members there, and once they once they realised there was an emergency, they were all trying to to get to get the astronauts out and do something. And then when the when the when the hull actually ruptured and there were flames coming out, a lot of them got burned. And it was like oh. a good few, a good few minutes before they were able to get to the hatch and get it open. By which time the the crew had suffocated from the smoke. Because they're just all too far away to just open it. Well, he, well, it was a difficult hatch to open because it opened inwards, and the and the and the atmosphere was pressurized, so it was effectively sealing the hatch shut. Oh, okay. And it was quite difficult to open anyway because it came in two parts, and that was one thing that was redesigned afterwards, as they as Jim Lovell explains to his son in Apollo thirteen. Uh huh. Oh, yeah. Uh, so uh, then he is has this training accident. Yeah. What exactly happened there? It, he he's thrown along the 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 ground by the moon rover, right? Hey, well, it's basically it's a vehicle called the Lula Landing Training Vehicle, the LLTV, which was used to kind of simulate hey, the um, what it would be like to land a lunar module on the moon, because there wasn't really right. any other way to to do it on Earth. Well, they tried with helicopters, but that wasn't really a very good simulation. And he basically. Again, it wasn't really it wasn't really his fault. It was kind of an engineering problem that caused him to lose control of it, and he had to eject. And I think if I think there was an estimation that if he'd waited two fifths of a second longer, he his parachute would have been too late to save him. But in real life, he wasn't quite as badly scratched up as he was in the in the film. He just bit his tongue. Oh, okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, so obviously, his wife sees that, freaks out. Yeah. <laughs> what and because he's not been communicating at all about yeah. the risks or what he's experiencing at all and that would be incredibly hard they have another child at, at, during this time as well yeah. so they yeah, have two they have two sons called eric and mark yeah 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 interesting and uh there were some nice moments i thought between uh the uh between janet and the uh, neighbor, uh, one of the the wives of the yeah, Pat, Pat the, White, Ed White's wife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. thought there were some nice scenes with yeah. that. I thought it was. I thought it was a very. It was a very well done scene after, after Ed has died, and you can see her just standing by the car with all those newspapers just lying around. She just, just not knowing what to do. Yeah, 
Yeah. That was good. That was really good. Uh, so then uh, he's a, he's selected to be in Apollo 11 and uh, that it will be the first lunar landing. Hmm. And uh, then we get the scene with uh, with Janet forcing him to talk to his sons about the risks of uh, the flight. Yeah. And how did you like that? That's... Hey. I thought, I thought that was really one of the more powerful scenes where they where she ends up kind of kind of shouting at him always like in frustration trying to get through to him. Yeah. I can't I can't say how important it is to their to their boys to understand. Yeah. But there is a kind of a brief mention of it in the book that she did ask him to do that because there was a chance he wasn't coming back. But uh, she knew she I don't think she was actually party to the conversation that they had and she wasn't sure how much he said. Uh-huh. The boys were, were twelve and seven at the time, so they didn't really remember that much about it. Yeah, in the article article I read, it said uh, they, I guess they worked with Damien Chazelle for two and a half years uh, on a lot of these details, and he, he, he didn't remember the specifics of the conversation, but that uh, he said that scene came from us, so yeah. that they did. So that's interesting. And he says, I didn't have any doubt that he was coming back, so uh, so he wouldn't have asked him if he is coming back like he does in the movie. And, uh, and he says, we, we think we're coming back, but there is some risk. It's basically what Armstrong told his sons. With regard to the oldest son shaking his father's hand at the end of the conversation that was added by the filmmakers, Rick said that it could have happened, or maybe it was a hug. He wasn't sure. Right. I think I would have rather have been a hug. <laughs> Just a little yeah, more warmth, a little more, you know. It would have been nice, yeah. Yeah, it would yeah, have I did see a couple of, um, I, love, I did see a couple of like, videos where they interviewed his sons. They uh-huh. seemed generally happy with how he was portrayed in the film. Yeah, which yeah. is interesting. And so, yeah, there, uh, yeah, I, I guess I would have, I, I guess I would have liked a little bit more than just this is his job, a little bit more of why he wants to go to the moon and what inspires him about it. And I don't know. Yeah. I just it's never like, got it. I suppose like everybody's being interviewed to become an astronaut early on. And he's talking about how, about how people, how, why people will go to space, and a little bit because it will give them a new perspective on on the Earth. I suppose you get a little bit of it there. That's true. Yeah. Uh, so the Apollo Eleven launches, and yeah. they arrive on the moon on the fourth day. And I didn't realize that they were running so low on fuel. Yeah. And if they were running so low on fuel, like how did they get back? Well, basically, there there were two separate engines. There was the um, the, the lunar module came in two separate stages, the descent stage, which had the legs and the main engine they used to get down to the moon. And then the, the cockpit on top was the ascent stage, which would separate afterwards and use its engine to get back into orbit and find the command module. Mm, and, okay. so if they, and so if the descent engine ran out of fuel and they had to abort, they would, they would fire up the ascent engine and, and go back up into orbit. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, so they, uh, they, uh, they ugh, there's a little bit of drama uh, with where to land because yeah. there's all these craters and uh, so he takes some manual control of the ship trying to find this best place to land and he's able to do it with he's able to make everything work yeah that was 
that was some pretty tense scenes. It was a little confusing maybe at times like what's what's happening? What's going on? But uh but yeah, I mean and it definitely looked pretty realistic as far as the moon. I mean, what do I know but what it looks like, but it seems like it would look like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it did, it did look um it, it was a good view out of the uh, out of the windows where you could see how he was approaching it. It did look very convincing. Yeah. And it was a really tense scene, I thought, even though you knew what was going to happen. I thought right. it was. Yeah, no, I agree. It was. And yeah. Uh, so, yeah, they they didn't really have any of that debate between Buzz Aldrin and, uh, and Neil Armstrong about who goes first. Hmm. But, uh, and I also would have, uh, wondering, so it would have been fun to have seen a little bit more of sort of the back and forth between Houston and the spacecraft during all of this, but, uh, but anyway, he ends up being the first one and we get our iconic line of one, uh, one small step and you do see some reaction, uh, for, uh, the people that are watching yeah, and, uh, and seeing the whole like kind of country come together. And that was, effective and i liked it uh, i would have liked it more if i'd known some of these side characters so it would have been more of a team victory uh but that's not this movie um and i i think that the whole uh the whole like first step and was done very well tactile it felt very real like you were really there and i think that all worked really well i liked that yeah. um but I think that them not including the docking of the placement of the flag on the moon, like the reason why that became a big thing was because Ryan Gosling gave an interview where he said that the moonwalk transcended countries and borders and that, uh, that he says, I think this was widely regarded in the end as a human achievement and that's how we chose to view it. And that's what rubbed people the wrong way more mm. than it not being there or being there. I think was that quote, because in a lot of people's eyes for better or worse, it was a American accomplishment. It was it an was, American yeah. sacrifice. Yeah. It was something that people died to make happen. Yes. Americans. And so for him to say that, I think, rub people the wrong way yeah. and especially because he's not even american he's canadian isn't he that's right yeah and so i i think honestly if he hadn't said that i don't think that anyone would have cared about the actual film yeah. but him him trying to take that away from us in this tense yeah. time rub people the wrong way yeah you kind of wonder how many people would have noticed it if if nobody had mentioned it before the film came out yeah if he hadn't maybe, maybe people would have thought or oh, hell they didn't show the putting the flag out but the way the way i first saw it it was like the flag wasn't going to be there at all right i would have had a problem with that right obviously i'm not american either but um he, but i thought it was a i thought it wasn't gonna be such a big problem if the if the flag was actually there uh, yeah. yeah i mean it's weird because the whole movie had been about about neil armstrong and his journey but i felt like we we were kept at a distance from him we didn't really get to know him but then like they want this this landing on the moon to be this global experience where 
So I, I think that that's really strange because I don't think they earned that at all. I don't think they earned it being this, this, this global uh, experience. And so I, I think it would have been better if they had had him planting the flag, but had it been about him planting the flag and his experience and emotions planting the flag. Mm-hmm. And I think that that would have made sense for the story. But really, I mean, like I said, it's not a huge deal. It's definitely uh, been overblown, but I think that's why people were upset was just because of what Gosling said more than the movie. Mm. Okay. That's what I think. Well, well, it's possible, yeah. Yeah. yeah it's been always suggesting whether maybe hey, this is why the film hasn't done too well at the box office. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it hasn't done that well at the box office. Uh, and I think it, it is a pretty long movie. There is that. But uh even without that i i i think that this kind of movie um should be something that sort of appeals to uh to small town you know the kind of people who like went to american sniper should Mm -hmm. love this movie and i think that uh, it should be a grassroots kind of a thing that builds momentum even the same kind of people who loved uh, like the greatest showman this kind of a thing it, i feel like should be the audience for this movie but but because they were turned off by this statement then they didn't go see it uh and uh it's it's a pretty art house movie so in a way i'm not yeah. surprised that it didn't do that well uh because it's it's just not it's not your typical rousing blockbuster no it was uh was it shown at the venice film festival first i think yeah because like a certain it, kind of movie that shows there yeah the kind of movie that did that people are going to flock to is something like your hidden figures you know that leaves you inspired leaves you excited that's the kind of thing that's not this movie no 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 i can understand it's not really it's not inspiring in the traditional sense i just I found it like, I certainly find it interesting in terms of like how the kind of vision the director had for it, which was very yeah. different from what I was expecting. And how I thought I chose to portray the, the character of Neil Armstrong and the, the enigma of him. Yeah. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't call it inspiring. Yeah, I, I literally kind of take it indirectly about what everything he managed to achieve. Yeah, and that's why I wanted to talk about it because I did find it interesting, even if I didn't particularly like it. Um, I made interesting choices and I wanted more sort of insight into maybe why they made those choices. Uh, but yeah, it's an interesting film. I I, th- I still think, what do you think? Would you rather watch a movie like Hidden Figures or a movie like this? Hey, well, hey, well, I wasn't a huge fan of Hidden Figures. I thought it was a little bit dry. Mm. I understood what they were going for, but I thought the approach was overall a bit dry. I would rather watch Apollo 13 than this film. Mm. Yeah. Even though I really enjoyed this film, I thought Apollo 13 was a bit better overall. It was a, uh-huh. I guess it was more of a, more, more to appeal to a wider audience than this one was. Yeah. But it had so many great things about it. It had all the, the accuracy of the, of recreating the space program. And yeah. uh, he, I really, I really enjoyed the, uh, the score in that one and how oh. and you're right that was it was more of an inspiring story and it was meant it was meant to be that way 
yeah apollo 13 it's probably my favorite and then i love october sky that's probably my second favorite of this and then uh hidden figures and then the right stuff because it's just pretty long <laughs> that's the only thing is for there's some dry parts and uh yeah and then i would say this yeah i'll probably put this one second to apollo 13 oh wow okay so, and then uh and then, I, and then i'll probably put the the right stuff third okay and and then october sky and then hidden figures uh-huh interesting maybe, maybe, maybe hidden figures and an october sky about even okay I'd have to watch them both again to be sure. Okay, good, good. Yeah, it's interesting. I, uh, I don't know. It, it's one that I was hoping, but I have to say that Damien Chazelle for me always has just something missing in his characters that I just don't connect with emotionally, and that I was really hoping because I, you know, I, I thought I would really connect with Neil Armstrong, but I guess his personality is just different than I was expecting. Maybe mm. that's part of my problem. But uh, but yeah, all of his films, I'm always just like, why are you like? In, when I watched um, when I watched Whiplash, it was very good and I admired it, but it kept it from masterpiece level for me. And I know a lot of people just love that movie, but for me, I felt like. I, I didn't understand why he was putting up with this insane man. Like I needed more motivation than just, he liked to listen to records sometimes. Like I needed more. And there were a couple of parts, parts that were really over the top. Like the crash in that movie was just ridiculous. Uh, and then in La La Land, I felt like I needed more from her character. We got motivation from his character about why he you know why he was so inspired by jazz i never really felt like i really understood why she was so inspired by acting and what like motivated her character to like give up on this relationship uh in order to you know pursue this uh pursue this acting it was just kind of like oh i'm a dreamer so therefore i'm good and uh and i kind of for this one i felt like i don't know i just felt like i i i just wish that the script had done a better job of kind of allowing us to get inside his character and allowing us to really feel for him and uh and give him some dialogue about his dreams and what he wanted out of life and just like i know that he's a reserved guy but i still feel like you can do that and have yeah. that kind of character and still flesh them out and make them interesting well yeah they could be a bit more open about his about his passions maybe a little bit more about his his background beforehand yeah. Because he'd been working at, a, at the Air Force Base for a while. He'd actually served in the Korean War as well. He had to, yeah. He, he oh, was I like didn't know the, that. Yeah, he was, in the, he was a Navy pilot for, I think, about a year as part of his scholarship. He had to, he had to serve in the military for a year yeah. before he finished his studies. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. I would have been, that would have been interesting. Yeah. Uh, so, all right. Well, what did you think of the last thing? What did you think of the music? Justin Hurwitz, who did La La Land, did the score. Um, what did you think of it? I really liked it. It was, yeah. I, mean, I think the, the best music came towards the end, like in, like the music for the launch of Apollo 11 was, was very good and the, and the landing music and probably, probably the best was like the, the music in the crater scene. You know, I said, I said before, yeah, there's a, uh, I said before, I don't tend to cry at movies, but this is one of those times where I came quite close uh -huh. in, that, in that scene. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. 
Yeah. All right. Well, I think we covered it pretty good. It's an interesting. Yeah. I, I'm glad that we, uh, that we could kind of talk this out and I could get a little more insight into uh, Neil as a person and uh, the whole program. And it, it's an interesting thing. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's a movie, even though I, I was, was disappointed by it. I still would recommend people go check it out. Mm-hmm. And uh, cause it's got, uh, it's got a lot of, uh, you know, makes interesting choices. And, and I think that uh, it's definitely worth, worth deciding for yourself what you like about it. You know, it's, it's just one of those movies that, uh, you know, something like a Blade Runner or whatever that like may not be like a hundred percent my taste, but I still recommend people checking it out because it makes choices. I was going to ask, did you, did you, did you think the bracelet scene worked well? When he, when he drops the bracelet? Did you think the, bra- the oh. scene where he drops the bracelet in the crater? Did you think that was a good scene? It was a good scene. I, I didn't, cry and i am an easy cry at the movies because i just wasn't that connected to him as a character mm-hmm. but it was well done yeah there was i think there was one reviewer who felt it was she was just thinking of rose dropping the heart of the ocean in the, in the sea at the end of titanic yeah 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 which i'm way more connected with rose as a character by yeah. the end well it's rather it's rather a longer film yeah it is. <laughs> it's true yeah patty I said, there's actually, there's actually evidence that he did something like that, but uh, I wouldn't put it past him to, to do something like that and then not tell anybody about it. So that was just made up? It was speculation. Oh, speculation. We don't know that he did. If they did, we don't know that he didn't. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because he did, he did kind of go for a little wander towards the crater at one point, which was unplanned because he didn't know a crater was going to be there. Uh-huh. Yeah. And he kind of, uh, he took some pictures there officially. But if he if he was going to do something like leave anything on the moon, it would have been at that point. Mm. Apparently, in twenty twenty, the uh, the contents of his uh, the little personal kit that he took to the moon for like personal objects is going to be disclosed. So maybe we could find out then. Oh, interesting. Was was it all streamed live? Were people watching it live? Yeah, they were. Yeah, there was like there was a there was a TV camera set up. Like first, there was a camera inside the, the lunar module that showed him coming down a ladder. And then they set up an old TV camera on a pole and it showed the, they broadcast the, the moonwalk at that point live. It is kind of amazing when you think about it. Cause this is like before internet, before, com, you know, before computers, it's yeah. before that they were able to do something like that. Like being a live broadcast from the moon. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, it wasn't a great picture, but it was still pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and I guess they must have had, so were they just like waiting there in the um, ship for the like broadcasting stuff people to be ready or? Yeah, I don't think so. I think that it was about their schedule rather than the new schedule. But they, but they were actually going a bit earlier than they planned. The original plan was going to have a sleep period before they went outside. But Armstrong overruled that because they weren't going to sleep anyway. Right. Yeah. Interesting. All right. Well, cool. This was really fun. I... Yeah. I learned a lot and uh, you know, it's a, it's an interesting, it's an interesting film. So uh, let us know what you thought of the movie. Did you like it? Did you not like it? Are we in the middle? Where were you at it? And uh, I'd be curious to know. And uh, thanks again for, uh, for talking with this out with me. I really appreciate it. So where, where can people find you? Well, my Twitter is uh 
RJ underscore Southworth. It's changed since the last videos I did. Oh, okay. And, uh, and my blog is uh, velociraptor256.wordpress.com where I've also written a text review of the film. Great. Yes, I'll have the links for that in the description section. And we will be uh, reuniting, I guess, with, uh, with Abby and Jeremy coming up in November. Fantastic Beasts and the Crimes of Grindelwald. We'll be talking about that next month. So, yeah, uh, that should be fun. All right. And you can find me at Rachel's Reviews on iTunes and on YouTube. And I'll put a link down to my review, uh, my written review that I did of First Man. So check that out. And uh, thanks again. Okay. Bye. Yeah.